All right, last week we were in the book of Acts and we continued to, to be in chapter eight. Actually, we started chapter 18. And this morning we're going to finish chapter 18 as we get down through uh, the third missionary journey that the Apostle Paul uh, has, has taken. Uh, a couple of things that I was thinking about with regard to Paul's missionary journeys. And uh, just, I was wondering how far he may have traveled. And I don't know if anybody's ever looked these things up or not, but uh, uh, the Stanford University has put together a study tool that that kind of recreates the Roman Empire, and it's supposed to be a period-accurate map. And it takes a lot of things into consideration about how the lay of the land was and, and et cetera, and methods of travel and what have you, and where the Roman roads existed and where they didn't exist. And uh, there have been some folks who have used this, this, uh, this tool to try and put together an approximation for how far Paul may have traveled over his three missionary journeys. And uh, they've, they've come up with a, a close to 10,000 miles that he would have traveled mostly on foot. Obviously, there's some sailing involved there. But for the most part, he's, you know, he's, he's hoofing it. You know, he's, he's, he's taking the most difficult way to get from point A to point B that you can think of in a time where the roads are not paved, in a time where things are not, oh, well, they may have been cobblestone paved, but, but you get my, my, my drift here. It's not like going on here and, and driving up the highway. The roads were even worse than they used to be in Bellevue. And it's just one of those things where you, you, you have to, I think, be there in order to truly appreciate it. But the estimation also is that his number of days in transit over his three missionary journeys was close to 270 days in transit. That's just travel time. I mean, if any of you have ever taken vacation with your kids, can you imagine? 268 plus days in transit with the kids in the back of the car saying, have, are we there yet? And I, you know, I used to see that on TV and I used to think, do the kids really do that? They do. Why? You just left the house for crying out loud. Definitely all got iPhones now and GPS tracking devices that should know what the yeah. is and all that stuff. Maybe that was the sole reason Paul stayed single, so he didn't have to address are we there yet? You know? You might be on to something. He said he didn't want any distraction. He did. He did say that. He did say that. What was that? He did a lot of that traveling after almost being beaten. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> you talk about miracles. That is that is part of the miracle of what took place with the Apostle Paul. And so that's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of days in transit. And, and I think it, it just it, it, it certainly is something that we should be aware of as we talk about his journeys and talk about everything that he went through. And uh, last week we started talking about his time in Corinth and what he faced there and how he met uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And we talked about how when he was witnessing in the synagogues how he faced backlash and essentially said, all right, that's it, I'm out of here. I'm going to go talk to, to folks in their houses and talk to the Gentiles. And, and, um, and he stayed and continued to witness and continued to, to convert and continued to reach the people um, who, are, who were in Corinth. And we see there in verse 9 that he received a vision from the Lord that 
that just cemented his decision uh, to be correct to stay there. And, and we learned that he stayed there for a year and six months, and he taught the Word of God among them and converted those who were, <coughs> who were willing to listen and to hear what he had to say. So we are down in verse 12 in chapter 18 of the book of Acts, and we're going to finish out this particular passage here and read what happened to Paul uh, as he's uh, doing his witnessing here in in Corinth. So in verse 12, it says, But when, when Gallio was pro Council of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it's a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. Verse 17, it says, And they seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. So they are dragging Paul before the judicial officer and that's the proconsul and they are bringing these charges to him that he is essentially talking about a uh, uh, telling people to worship God in a different way other than the way that the Jews have taught people to do so and and correctly so Gallio just brushes it all off because the the, the Romans have said essentially that the Jews get to deal with these things themselves. And by doing so, what he has done is he has said that the words that Paul are preaching and the, the things that Paul is doing are not against Roman law. And so he has pushed it all back into the hands of the Jews for them to try and deal with in, in some manner. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me. Why do you think that they after they did not get any sort of a, uh, let's talk, talk for a second about what what really happened here. As soon as Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio went ahead and, and said what he had to say about the this not being an issue uh, of Rome. And so again, this is validation for Paul staying, validation for everything that he is doing. You see God at work in guiding Paul through his steps on his journey and his ability to witness to people and do what God has called him to do. But why in the world that in verse 17, after this all took place, they go back and they, they, they drag the ruler of the synagogue out and beat him in front of the tribunal. What in the world are they doing? Why would they do that? Is there a, can you, can you come to any logic I mean, it, 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 to me, I first read this and it, it, it kind of sounded like, oh, well, these guys are, are, are kind of being a bunch of babies. They didn't get what they wanted for this guy. And we're still mad. We got to beat up somebody. So let's go, let's go grab the, 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 the person who's in charge of the synagogue at this point 
and and let's just drag him out and beat him up and and we're going to do it in front of the tribunal and we're going to show show Gallio that 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 by golly we mean business i, I don't I, I don't know that i can fully justify or or make sense of it i wonder what what might be your all's take on it we were trying to show paul that we can drag you out here and beat you up and you're not going to say anything about that either <laughs> maybe Something's my my just got this because he just wouldn't speak up for the Jews. He wouldn't go to the pro you know, the other yeah guy and say, Yeah, this you know, we want you to do something about this. Because he might he may have been he's probably on Paul's side and agreeing with Paul anyway. More, more than more than likely. Um, there's there's some speculation that since since Paul mentions uh, Sosthenes later on as a co-author in First Corinthians, that that Sosthenes may have been a convert, and as such, they were taken they, they were they were taken out on him, and and so that's a that's a very good possibility, um, but still, you know it's it, it's 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 like it's, it seems like mob mentality, you know we were what was that. Um, that doesn't exist today. Oh no, not at all. No. No, we never see that anywhere. We were watching years ago. We were watching one of those, uh, I don't know, Wallace and Gromit animated things. And there's a, there's there's a scene where the the mob is there's a mob that's coming after uh, what is it the were rabbit or something. And there's a guy there. He's got gardening tools, and he's got rakes and, and pitchforks and all those types of things. And it says gardening tools for sale. And he sees the mob coming, and he quickly crosses out gardening tools and writes angry mob tools. And so <laughs> you you adapt to what the masses are doing. And so you know it's it's not that hard to get people to go along with you when you start going off in a direction, even if it doesn't make sense. That mob mentality will kick in, and things happen that don't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. Mary. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with who they're talking about because it says all the Greeks. So does that mean just like everybody around just joined in, or is it talking about like specifically the Jewish people or the people that were like uh, part of the pro council? Let's see, where are you? Uh, okay, yeah, and they, and they all, the ruler of synagogues, and beat him in front of the tribunal. Oh, okay, it just says they all seized in, in, in this version. So, um, yeah, so I'm not sure. Uh, Hunter, let me look at the study notes to see if they go further on that. HAB says all the Greeks, and usually when they're talking about the Jews, they talk about the synagogue or the Jews themselves. They don't say Greeks. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't do a parallel on this in putting this together. Mine is a note that says in the Greek. It says everyone. Other manuscripts read all the Greeks. Hmm. So there's two different there, there's two different takes on it a little bit, and the ESV did not did not go with all the Greeks. It says all, and there's in their study notes on verse 17, it does say Sosthenes may have been a Jewish convert to Christianity. Uh, let's see. Crispus had been called the ruler of the synagogue, but Sosthenes may have succeeded him. When Crispus became a Christian, or there may have been more than one, they don't even address it. Yeah, they don't even address it. A Christian in 1 Corinthians 1 1, else he becomes a brother of Paul, and he also wrote for Paul. 
but I'm, I'm not, that's a great question, Mary, and, and thanks for bringing that up too, um, about who it is that's involved in this. So we, we, have, a, we have a transcript uh, issue here where some of the transcripts apparently say all the Greeks and some of them just say everyone. Hmm. So I could read it like, you know, the, the people under Gallio were doing the meeting and he just kind of looked the other way, like, you know, not a big deal. But I could also read it like the, the uh, Jewish people stirred up the crowd, like in the case of Jesus, and, and they were doing the meeting. Yeah, see, I, I mean, my my initial my initial take on this would be that this is that this is stirred up by the Jews, and and that the folks that they're stirring up are are doing this, and and dragging him out. Um, but having something that says all the Greeks, I have no idea. I actually have no idea which way that could uh, which way that could go. I would say that's one where you could go back and cer certainly do some. Uh, exegesis on and and you know look up the original Greek and different transcripts and try to come up with your own your own conclusion because um, you know that this is the one thing that we find going through different versions of scripture and different translations that because of what was deemed to be the most accurate transcripts at certain times scholars have gone with different tra different um, subtleties in how they have put together uh, the words. And and what's interesting about it is, let me ask you this question. If it's the Greeks or the, or the Jews in this situation, what difference does it make in how we interpret the what happens here? What, what is, what's the actual issue if it's one or the other? I would say motive. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. And, and but but in the but in the end, does it matter? I mean, I, I don't know that it does, one way or the other. And I, I, it it lands on one of those things that we could we could discuss a lot out of curiosity's sake. Um, but when we look at the overall the overarching meaning of what happens in this in these passages, it's really how how God has been true to Paul. And led him through this and, and dealt with it. Yeah. So I would lean more toward what Mary was saying last that it's almost like when um, they were going to crucify Christ. If you go back to verse 12, it says how Galileo was the deputy of Asia. The Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul. And it's talking about just the Jews there all the way back in 12. And it continues with Paul even responding to just the Jews. But then you get a grammatical change in 17 that says then all the Greeks took softenings so the Jews didn't get what they wanted and so now it's almost like jumping on the bandwagon to now everybody's jumping in so the Jews didn't get their way now everyone's having a problem with it kind of like in the times of Christ mm -hmm. and I mean it's I can see that yeah but in a way it is significant because it's like he's jumping on the bandwagon and they're not getting their way with one group so now everybody's getting it it's true mob mentality at this point yeah yeah they've got everybody stirred up yeah it, you're right it paints a different it paints a different picture for what's taking place in the in the in the environment when, from a social standpoint yeah yeah absolutely 
Of course, it's also going to matter um, what transcript you're, you're reviewing, because if it's uh, what what did you say, Steve? In, in uh, you, you said that some of the transcripts actually say everyone. In the Greek, it says um, the Greek word everyone, but then other manuscripts uh, read all the Greeks. All the Greeks. So, uh, yeah. Yep, that's, a, that's one of those things that, that could lead us down some rabbit trails for a long time. It could actually be one and the same, though, because like they were saying, it's like first it was just the Jews, and it's basically like then everyone. And so then the other manuscripts might have put Greeks in to let you know it's like, hello, then, because he was addressing back in the beginning mm -hmm. in, the chapter, in verse 4 of the chapter, it says that he uh, reasoned every day have persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Yes, it does. So, um, you know, they when they chose to use the term then the Greeks, they could be saying, you know, it's like, okay, here we had this one, and here we had this one, and then, you know, it's then everyone, and then they were like, well, then the Greeks too, and then the Greeks jump in. <laughs> yep, I know. I can certainly see that, and I never, I never questioned it. I never even, never even paused at that, and uh, so I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up. For, for discussion, yeah. Something I see, you know, I don't know if this Galileo, I don't know if he learned from Pontius Pilate or <laughs> what happened with Jesus or what, but. Yeah, exactly. Watch. He's like, I'm not even getting in the middle of this. Yeah, exactly. This is wrong. Dude, you guys go do what you want. I'm not, he didn't even go, he didn't even go far down that road. He wasn't. No. No, he, he was he was immediately washing his hands of the situation and saying, you guys handle it, you guys deal with it, and whatever you do, you do. Uh, do you think there's significance that they that they they brought Sosthenes out and beat him in front of the uh, the, the tribunal in front of the uh, what's his name? Ah Gallios. Gallios, thank you. I, I think, you know, part of it, I think, is, you know, well, let's find out exactly, you know, test the rules, test the waters. And how how far can we go? Can we beat, you know, somebody had to death and he not really, really not doing anything? Is he, is he, is he really going to wash his hands of it? Perhaps that's the case. Yeah, is he, are they, are they really testing the waters to say, can we do, can we deal with this however we see fit without you inter, inter, interacting with us and getting in the way and interfering? Perhaps that's what they were doing. Like, like a kid, I, I originally said they were acting like little kids, like a kid testing their parents to say, can I, can I get away with this? Can I get away with this? Can I go a little further? Perhaps. Yeah, Mary. So, my translation says, but Gallio took no notice of these things. But if they're beating the guy right in front of his seat, then it seems more like he was looking the other way. Like, yeah. <laughs> trying to ignore them, not actually. <clears throat> because the, the thing that bothers me about that, again, probably doesn't matter, but their complaint is with Paul. Their problem is with Paul, and his ruling had to do with Paul in saying, you guys handle this your own way. And then they go and grab somebody else and bring them out and start beating them in front of him as, the way of, as their way of handling it. it. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me unless they're just trying to, to, to test the waters. In today's time, you've got these gangs fighting each other. And you say, well, if it's gang, he's gang, and then not hurt anybody else. Let him go. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember in the, in the whole storyline, was this before or after Paul told them that he was a Roman citizen? 
this well this is this would be after this is certainly after he proclaimed to be a Roman citizen. That may have something to do with it. They be a Roman citizen. Now. But did they know it here? I'm trying to think. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know that for a fact either. But but you may have a point there. Um, somebody somebody may have known. But we go back to the whole idea again that uh, that they were probably trying to make a point, um, and and they and they they managed to do it because we just talked about it for ten minutes. So. Paul did play the citizen card until just about everything was over. No, he did not. He yeah he he, he played it he played it when he when he needed to play it, but he had. Well, he had played it a few, few chapters back, right, when he was imprisoned and and made it known at the end that he wasn't going to leave town under the cover of darkness, um, and he was going to make him apologize to him because he'd been handled, you know, inappropriately. But I don't know if while he was in Ephesus here that they, that they knew he was or wasn't. So. They could have observed, observed the man watching Paul and listening intently to him because and, or Corinth, not Ephesus. and say, say, are they really this and are they really that? And we, we make our judgments. It's no different than back then. And they probably see him looking and listening to Paul intently. And they thought, well, he's a high person, a pro-council, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. And he's listening to them. So yeah, very well could be the case. Yeah. Yep, that's a good possibility, Mary. There's there's a lot of speculation we can make on that, but it, let's let's leave it with the fact that it's clear that 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 God has led Paul to make the decisions that he has made to to leave the synagogues, but to stay over that period of time. He's given him a vision that that there are some, and I guess I should, I'm going to open this door a little bit. Um, when we read about that, that vision from the Lord in verse 9, where he said, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And so when you read that and realize that, that he had that assurance from the Lord that whatever he did, God was going to be with him in that city while he was witnessing and and you know, you'll you'll find those who are proponents of of predestination who will say that that was God's way of telling Paul that there are people in this city that will believe if you preach to them that they are chosen there are others who will interpret that differently to say that there are that already have believers in this city and and you should go grow on that um, but you'll you'll hear that used as a as a foundation to say that it is um, uh, it is the the preaching that brings people to God that God has already chosen to be saved and it's a it's one of those topics of of predestination that that I don't subscribe to that that viewpoint. Um, however, just letting you know that you'll see it you'll see it in study notes. You'll see people talk about it and uh, and use that as a basis for that discussion. Any, anything else here? Go ahead. I don't know if it's the coffee talking or the Holy Spirit or just me, but have at it. Uh, as, as we think about what's his name, Sosthenes. I lost my spot. Yeah, the guy who was beaten. One hundred twelve or eighteen, and we're not. We're definitely not in the Romans. But anyways, not today. Uh, I'm flipping all over the place. <laughs> but the first, the first 
line of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. So I'm just thinking if, it, if this actually is the same Sosthenes, maybe this was a God-ordained beating to, if he had one foot in Judaism and one foot in Christianity. If I got, That's a good way to drag you out. If I got beaten by the Jews, I would think, well, I don't want any part of that. I'm out to get two feet into Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, no, I could certainly, I could certainly see that. No, no, I well, because we we had mentioned that that you know, but that Paul mentioned Sosthenes later on, and and certainly if this if if this is the same one, there's there's good reason to believe that that could be the case. But yeah, you're right. If somebody, if I was if I was kind of on this fence, and, and I got this somebody over here preaching to me and talking about love and redemption and salvation and Jesus died for you and look at the Old Testament scriptures. Don't they confirm it? Yes, they do. And I'm still kind of holding on to tradition and I'm still holding on to the old law and the old, and all of a sudden these guys come over and beat the snot out of me. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, at some point I'm gonna go, you know, this, this sounds a little bit better on this side of the coin. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a valid point. But then the, the later fate is that he was probably killed for the same, for the same reason, yeah. <laughs> nope, understood. Anything else? All right, let's go ahead and take a look at Paul returning to Antioch then. Verse 18, it says, After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. <clears throat> I'm going to try. I have no idea how to say that word. At at Sincre? Sin, Sin I don't know. I, that one's got me. Uh, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So he continued on his journey, um, revisiting places and making things, or doing, doing what he was called to do. Doing what he was called to do, to get out there and, and strengthen the disciples, spread God's word. But take a look here at, at what happened with, um, uh, it was... Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and Aquila went with him on this journey at the beginning. It's in verse 24, it says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an, el an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. This is an interesting fella to me. Um, as we continue to read on about Apollos, 
we, we come to a bit of an understanding here that it sounds as if Apollos is a man who was, he's well-educated, he was well-taught, and as the scriptures say, was, was competent in the scriptures. So he had a good understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. But it says that he, he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, but only knew the baptism of John. And there's some speculation here as to what that probably means, but it probably means that he's aware of the teachings of John and who Jesus Christ is and some of the teachings of Jesus. And he's echoing those teachings as he talks to other people. But he may not be aware of Jesus's death and resurrection. And he may not be aware of Jesus's command to go forth and baptize. And so he may not fully know the whole story. And, and so it's, it's an interesting discussion probably to have about whether or not this man, would, would you consider him to be saved? Would you consider him as someone who is going around teaching about Jesus Christ when it tells us that, he's, that he only knows the baptism of John? Is, is he teaching sound doctrine? Is he, is he teaching things that, that people should be, should be listening to? And before you even think about answering that question, I want to ask you, how were the Old Testament saints saved? Through faith. Through faith. Faith in what? Or who? Coming Messiah. Coming Messiah. So they didn't know all the details either. I think the argument could be made that they understood what was going to happen and they had faith in God to accomplish it. And through that, they found their salvation or, and God saw them as righteous. But did they have a full understanding of exactly who Jesus was going to be and what was going to happen and how this was going to look? I doubt it. So it, it, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make a, a bit of a comparison between someone who knew what he knew and believed it wholeheartedly and was teaching it, but maybe didn't have the full picture, and someone from the Old Testament who might have been in a similar circumstance. And, and I think there's a comparison that we can probably make there. But knowing that he, he, the scriptures tell us he only knew the baptism of John in verse 26, it says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So notice they don't say that Priscilla and Aquila corrected him. It sounds as if they're just filling in the rest of the details and bringing him up to speed on everything that he needs, needs to know. Verse 27, it says, And when he wished to, to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the, the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Um, notice how through the book of Acts, and I just feel like this is a topic we should mention, but notice how through the book of Acts, uh, Luke is very, it seems as though he, he's, he's careful 
to point out in the times when male and female are both involved in something. Notice we, we look back and we see that there were uh, high, high-ranking members in, in the, 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 the synagogue at the time because we, it talks about how they, they came to, to believe in Christ. And in this situation, the scriptures tell us that it was both Priscilla and Aquila that were, were explaining to him <clears throat> and expounding on things. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's a lot of folks who will use this passage as, as a way to say if you have issues with women teaching in a small group setting or if you have issues with women witnessing to people on, on a one-on-one basis, there's evidence in the scriptures of this happening, and that and that we we shouldn't we shouldn't look to to pigeonhole we shouldn't look to take one thing in the scripture and expand it to other areas of of ministry where it may not apply. And so, in this particular instance, again, it's both of them spending time and explaining to Apollos what he needs to know so that he can be more powerful and more accurate in his teachings and his descriptions of the gospel. And he goes forward and uses that um, in speaking to the Jews in public and refuting uh, what they have to say. Uh, Comments? I'm hung up on one word in verse 18. Go for it. Vow. Yeah. For he was under a vow. He was under a vow. Um, let's talk about that for a second. The only vow that I remember is Jephthah and Judges, and he made a vow and ended up having to kill his daughter because of it. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that wasn't good. Uh, it had to do with Samuel. Samson. Yeah. When you became a, a Nazarite. Yes, you had you had vows that you had to, certain things that you you were required to do because you had accepted that yeah. role. But those were the ones we didn't put your hair. Yeah, exactly. And I'll see. I had read something about that, but I didn't put anything down to talk about it. It says the cutting of Paul's hair probably indicates he had completed a vow because not cutting the hair such a vow besides not cutting the hair such a vow mandated strict purity and refraining from strong drink. One would have undergone such a vow in seeking divine blessing for an undertaking or to express thanksgiving. So it may have been something that he vowed to not do for a period, like fasting, mm-hmm. in order to to show his his thankfulness or to humble himself in some way. And, and the scriptures don't necessarily elaborate on this, except to say that at this point, apparently he was coming out of whatever that period was, and now he was free to cut his hair. Yeah. Voluntary pledge to fill an agreement. So, uh, who knows exactly what he was vowing or or what he may have been agreeing to? I don't know. I don't know. But apparently, it was something that would happen. And at least the way that that the the notes here are interpreting it is, it's something that could very well have been a period he went through um, to to restrain from certain things, including cutting your hair. 
to make a certain point or to show Thanksgiving. So or perhaps that's an indicator, an indication of, of some things we could do. It makes reference to Acts 21, 24, and uh, four men hacking about, I guess, and Paul was but they shake their heads. Um, and it's kind of in reference to Old Testament or um, commandments for Moses and things like that, the time of Moses. Um, again, I'm not really sure what all it entails there, but it does say again that they shake their heads in Acts 1.24. Yeah, if you go back to, actually go back to number six verses, um, in verses one through 21, there's, uh, there's some references throughout there uh, and then actually the Nazarite vow was explained in in Numbers uh, 6. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When either a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself from the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine and strong drink and shall not drink any juice of the grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the the seeds or the skins. And it goes on to, to talk more about what is involved in a Nazarite vow. And, and whether or not this is what he was under, I don't know. Yeah. But thanks for getting hung up on it. Because you're welcome. It's it's all right. We can talk about it some more. <laughs> I like, huh? And that'll be okay. That'll be okay. I like getting hung up on stuff. Although I don't like getting hung up on. It's, it's rude. So if I ever call you, let me hang up on you. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> Any other uh, problems, questions, discussions, or just things that you generally want to say? We're going to start wrapping up here for the day, and we will move into chapter 19 and Paul in Ephesus next week and continue on through that chapter as we move through the book of Acts. We're going to come up on a riot at Ephesus a little bit later on. Can we use the word riot in today's day and age? That's, is that, you don't even hear that used anymore. It's a, it's a demonstration or, you know. A peaceful protest, yes. Mostly, mostly peaceful. Most, mostly peaceful, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I, as you see, you see the reporters standing in front of the flames, going mostly peaceful. <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta stop. I gotta stop. Everything is going well. No, I know. That's right. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anyone. Please don't let me do that. Uh, what's that? I'm not worried about you. Yeah. <laughs> James is as close as you get. So, you know, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for being here and putting up with me. Thank you for the discussion this morning. I greatly appreciate it. I enjoyed it, and I hope you all did too. And uh, we'll see where uh, the Lord takes us next week as we get into this. Uh, I try to I try to, I try to end on at ten forty every week or thereabouts, so that folks can come in and not feel uncomfortable uh, doing so. And so that's why I started a little bit earlier this morning than usual. I'm going to hit it at ten forty one. How's that? Not too terrible. All right. Let's close with word prayer. Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the preservation of it. 
Uh, Lord, thank you for allowing us to come here and discuss it this morning. Um, Lord, it's, it's something that, that we can continue to do each and every day to dig deeper into your word. Um, Lord, just allow us to do this with the right understanding. Uh, Lord, that we do it out of a desire to know you better, out of a desire to understand what uh, it is that you want to tell us through this and, and how we can apply it to our lives each and every day. And, and beyond that, Lord, use it to witness and use it uh, to guide our steps and, uh, and use it to, to be able to see our path more clearly. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this class and for the folks who are here, for their willingness to talk. And um, Lord, just help us to each week uh, focus upon you and keep you at the center of everything that we do. Lord, be with Brother Tank this morning as he delivers the message and uh, just uh, help us to be focused upon you as we enter into the sanctuary. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.